Welcome on into the podcast, Jake Hatch, sitting alongside a friend of mine you got familiar with on Friday night, if you were listening to Friday night's edition. Um, we're hanging out at BYU once again, decided, hey, well, why not just recap the day, because um, we're both writing stories and having a good time, and we're sitting outside. Right next, right next to the practice fields. If you hear a nice little hum in the background, it's the sprinklers on the practice field getting the grass all green. Sean Walker joins me once again. Mitch Harper, hopefully, will join us here in a minute. Sean, how are you, bud? You know, same old, same old. I mean, I can, I can tell you what. I uh, in the three-man uh, podcast co-host race that is your new podcast here, Jay Catch. I think I'm beating out Mitch Harper in reps. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Harper's not even getting reps anymore. We just we just X'd him out of out of the reps completely. Uh, Mitch, come over here. Actually, let's have you sit right here. Uh, Mitch Harper just finishing up his his work, his stellar work on twenty four seven network. So always good to uh, get Mitch's thoughts on things. So Sean says that you are getting more reps than him in the three man podcast hosting race. You know that that was strategic what I just did here because it was a. Uh... I was like Joe Critchlow just now. Am I? Am I out? Am I in? <laughs> don't read anything into the intro, guys. Don't, don't read. Don't, don't read, read anything read. into it. But yeah. uh, interesting day. That I think we can look at and say maybe this was the practice that was kind of a uh, a key turning point in BYU determining who their next quarterback is going to be. Yeah, let's recap this real quick. So we're out here at me- during the media portion of practice. We got to watch what probably 40, 30 to forty minutes of practice today. Um, and they have an 11-on-11 portion that media normally gets to watch. And we saw three quarterbacks get reps in that portion today. First was Tanner Mangum. Number two was Zach Wilson. And then number three, it's on the name you're expecting, Jaron Hall, of all people. The true freshman off an LDS mission gets the reps. No Joe Critchlow, and that's what Mitch is talking about here. This could be a turning point here where we might um, have a – almost a tipping point towards um, indicating who the next quarterback might be. But, of course, Jeff Grimes, when asked by the the venerable Jay Drew, hey, can we read anything into the fact that Joe Critchlow gets, got no reps? He says, don't read anything into that. I think people are going to read into he it. Was, he was kind of really quick to say don't read anything into that, too. Yes, he was. I mean, for what it's worth, I, if like if you really don't, I don't. I, I won't. I won't go there. I won't go. There. I, I mean, just if you really don't want people to read into it, I think usually the easiest way is like just say, "Oh yeah, it just happened." Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the way that he started with, "Don't read anything into it." He says we're working on a rotation. Mess- message boards are going to be a fire. I think with what this means, as they I, probably yeah. should, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't see how any way that it's not going to speculation is going to be going on, um, and. Who knows? Maybe maybe it is the Joe Critchell. Simply, they just had the way the reps were divvied up. Maybe earlier on in practice, he got his reps, and that was it. But I thought it was significant that in a three-man quarterback race that has been mentioned throughout the summer, we saw two of the quarterbacks and not one of them. Yeah, it was it was pretty significant. I mean, it should be noted that Critchlow did get reps in seven-on-seven work, but still, um, he wasn't in the team portion. When I say team portion, eleven-on-elevens, which is kind of the barometer, how we kind of get a feel for what the depth chart is kind of looking at, at least trends. They, they change things up. Like you see Isaiah Kafusi at that bow linebacker today, backup. So they, they change some little details into it. But at the quarterback spot, if it's truly a three-man race and it's even neck and neck, it seems strange to take away valuable reps 
uh, from Joe Critchlow away. And it was, it was again, it was Tanner Mangum, it was Zach Wilson, and then Jaron Hall. And then it cycled back through those three yep. once again. No Joe Critchlow at all. No Baylor Romney, who was kind of the fourth guy in the first couple days that we saw mm-hmm. in practice. So I think it's significant. I think it's notable. And, and I think that this is now suddenly becoming a two-man race. And, and I think it's the right two guys. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree with that. I, I thought that Tanner Mangum and Zach Wilson looked on point through the first few days that we've seen a practice, and I'm with you, Mitch. I think that it was the the, ba- the balance was tipping towards those two guys, and today might have really indicated that hey, it's finally starting to tip, and they're gonna they're gonna narrow it down to two, and it kind of lines up, I guess, because they said by the end of the second week, with, leading up to fall camp, they wanted to make a decision, so it lines up with the timeline here. It really does. It makes a lot of sense, and I think that. Uh, um, speaks to Zach Wilson and the addition that he's been to this BYU football program. I mean, where would they be without Zach Wilson? I think he's made everyone better uh, in that quarterback room. And, and I just think that his his skills, I mean, the anticipation throws that he made to Anoke Lotalele over the middle today, he just made some great throws that you just usually don't see uh, from an 18-year-old kid. And maybe he's just the the new fancy toy, and it seems so much more exciting than Tanner Mangum, who was getting busted up against you know Portland State or struggling, albeit against Portland State, and losing to East Carolina and, and going down against Fresno State. So maybe that's where maybe getting enamored with Zach Wilson, but uh, both quarterbacks I thought looked very good. Tanner had a few balls that floated a little bit on him that would yep. have probably been picked otherwise in a real game, but uh, honestly, I think that it's these two quarterbacks, I think these are your top two. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Sean. You, you have any dissenting opinion on that on that take, or do you? I mean, I would I would caution a little bit reading too much in, into what we're seeing out of media availability because I mean, just like every other college uh, football program in the country, media media viewing portions are getting shorter and shorter. We're seeing less and less um, of practice and actual what may be actual valuable work. I mean, may, yeah. maybe maybe Joe Critchlow was taking it easy for the last half hour practice yeah. because he was getting worked to death for the first hour and a half. I mean, that's entirely possible. And I don't want to necessarily say, like, Kalani Sataki and Jeff Grimes are throwing a red herring yeah. uh, in that regard. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know if you can necessarily read what's in the coach's heads based off of 30 minutes of practice. Yeah. Um, that's all. Certainly, I, I do agree with you, Mitch, in that um, it is entirely possible that things have been trending this way where, where Tanner Mangum and Zach Wilson are starting to separate themselves a little bit in this quarterback battle. Uh, but... Oh come on! Let's have some overreaction. Again, it's, it's let's have some overreaction, it's, Sean. It's a half hour. Yeah, I have I have a really I have. Here's going to be this is going to be crotchety old uh, veteran sports writer here in me, but I have a really hard time making too many assumptions based on uh, football practice practice yeah. right based on football practice. Uh, based on the limited amount of time that we're able to see now versus 10 or 15 years ago when we could hang out on the sidelines and... and Yuck it up with you know, anybody. Yeah. Sit on Lavelle's golf cart. Yeah, yeah. chat, chat, chat with Roger French <laughs> while he was swearing at the offensive line or something like that. <laughs> True I mean, story. I, th- I, just, I, I think that's kind of the, the age of media that we're in. But go ahead and speculate. I mean, it's fine to speculate. It really doesn't hurt anybody to speculate. It's fine. Could the media be so, or the the coaching staff be so diabolical, as our friend Jay Drew said, (laughs) that they're throwing us off the scent. Like, the headlines, Arizona folks are going to look at this. They're probably keeping track of all the headlines. Oh, yeah. They're looking at this thing and you know, Zach. Do we need to zero in on Zach Wilson, Tanner Mangum, and have a total curveball thrown at him? 
I mean, who knows? Maybe are they that crazy? I just, again, still think every rep is so valuable. And we did see, I, I felt personally in my personal opinion, that Tanner and Zach Wilson were the best two quarterbacks that we saw in the first two days of observation that it, it seems like it, it might not be um, a, a too crazy of a thought to think it's now a two-man race. But again, it, I mean, it's tough to completely say. I mean, Jeff Grimes did say, don't read too much into it. So we'll have to see. Jeff's the guy when he says, don't read anything into it. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> he's just he's got a strong voice. He's one of those guys that you just respect. He commands authority. All right, guys, you really you really don't want to don't want to counter with him. You really don't want to argue no. with him because you get the feeling like I'm I'm going to lose. This. Yeah. So I'm yeah yeah exactly. Yeah. It's just it's not it's not. In your I'm, be- I'm not saying. I mean, I I do I do agree. I I do agree to an extent with all of these points. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm yeah. just saying there is a lot of practice that we're not necessarily seeing. Yes. Uh, so it's entirely possible that Kalani is diabolical as a fox. Yeah. Uh, that Jeff Grimes is is outsmarting the rest of us. I mean, we, we simply don't know. That being said, it is fun to speculate. Let's speculate. I think Baylor Romney is going to be the starter on September 1st. Oh, there we go. I like that. Okay, there we go. We've got Sean to finally take a take. I like it. I like it. Well, let's, let's, let's step away from the quarterback battle here. Talking with Sean Walker from KSL.com. Mitch Harper from ESPN 700, ESPN 960, also 24-7 sports, Insider.com. correct? That's correct. All right. Check that out, by the way. His, his content, They've him and his partners, Jeff Hans and some of these guys, they've been putting up a lot of content so check that out if you are so inclined um guys let's talk about it. we finally saw our first dust up of fall camp we've been waiting oh, for it um, i believe it was harris lachance got mixed up with a linebacker i didn't see who the linebacker adam pulsifer oh adam pulsifer okay well adam pulsifer adam, adam pulsifer was in there zach Dahl was also yeah so there. so yeah it looked, it looked like lachance and a there were a lot of people in and not not just to throw heads yeah, yeah. and and all of them but lachance and pulsifer got into it zach Daw seemed to come to pulsifer's defense and gave a shove to lachance and lachance Reared back Ryan like he was, was in the middle of he, it. Well, it looked like Lachance wanted to swing at Zach Daw, yeah. and finally, yeah, uh, Ryan Pugh players all got involved to break it up before things got going. Kalani Sitake afterwards said, "Hey, I don't mind when they're pushing and shoving, but I wish they would be smart enough to think, hey, throwing a punch at a helmet is not in your best interest." Yeah, I've never understood that with football players wanting to throw punches at these helmets because. That's just not going to end well. It's just not going to end well. We're seeing right now Johnny Linhan uh, punching yeah. the football right now, getting ready for maybe his new single. I don't know. Yeah, I We're don't know. We're seeing all these guys coming through these yep. days. So, yeah, if you're hearing the little thumps in the background, yeah. I don't know how, how much it's picking up here on the mic, but it is Johnny kicking footballs out there. Yeah, shout out to Mr. Nimmer. <laughs> Mr. Nimmer, like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so um, I did, I did yeah. really like about the scuffle uh, when Jeff Grimes was asked about it. Um, this might be the quote of the day. He said, "I'd be concerned if we didn't have yeah, any." Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't, you almost don't mind seeing guys get into it a little bit because it means they're really getting after it. They're really starting to get after each other. Again, you don't want to see anybody get hurt necessarily. You don't yes, want, you don't want a broken hand because yeah. because you punched your teammate's face mask. Yeah, that's, that's not stupid. Smart. Yeah, um, but a little bit of fire is good. Yeah. A little bit of a little bit of angst. A little bit of oh man, this guy just made me look really really bad. I want to get after him. And that was uh, something that was a, a big thing in spring, too. It yes. felt like every day in spring ball we were seeing fight after fight after fight. So and Kalani got, a little, there. Kalani got a little fed up with the ones in spring because yeah. it just it became too much. It, it was, was almost distracting. Yeah, it was almost – f- and you felt like at times guys were almost forcing it to be like, yeah, well, we're, we're into it, coach. Like, look at me. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
okay, we get when guys yuck it up, they want to they, they want to get after one another. But yeah, when it becomes almost contrived or or forced, yeah, it becomes too much. I just thought that was kind of fun. We always we always kind of look forward to seeing the first dust up, and that's only during the media portion. There yep. could have been dust ups before now that we did not see because, like Sean mentions, we see in a half an hour of roughly two hour practice every day. So there you go, um, guys. Squally Canada talked today um, to the media. One of the better interviews on this team. I think he's criminally, oh, so criminally underrated when it comes to his interviews. He doesn't, I guess, talk to the media a lot. I guess it's almost our, the media we forget to talk to him, but when we talk to him, it's great. He talked a lot about Bo Hodge and what Bo, Bo Hodge has brought to this running back group. And I think those two guys, along with um, Lopini or Zach Katoa, however, whatever you want to call him for his first name, I think you got your three headed monster. Well, I've been surprised that uh, Squally's been. Uh, talking to me because we thought you know in spring ball he he's kind of was saying he was going to take the Tijon route and and not talk to the media <laughs> but I'm I'm loving it because uh, media day he was great and mm-hmm. to then today uh, he was fantastic as well so yeah his story is great uh, it relatively quiet uh, for him so far through fall camp at least for again from what we see uh, today though it was notable he was what appeared uh, to be the primary running back next to Tanner Mangum yep. on that first team office which was a different change of pace because prior to that. We've seen Lapini Katoa uh, as that primary back. So I thought that was good for Squally. And he's going to be someone I think is utilized quite a bit this season in the goal line. We saw it in the yes. spring game. He had, what, three touchdowns mm-hmm. in the spring game. I think you can see that a lot. You saw glimpses of it uh, today as they were kind of working on a shorter field yeah. uh, this afternoon. But uh, I think Squally's going to be someone that's utilized in that situation quite a bit. I don't know if we can reasonably expect maybe another UNLV type of performance like he had last hey, that'd year. That'd be but, great. But, uh, sure. you know, it's we have seen enough to where maybe it can give you that hope, but I still think he's maybe BYU's number two running back right now. Well, and as much of anything, because it's it's not as sexy of a competition as, as the quarterback competition, but there's a legit running back competition yeah, right now yes. with this BYU team. And, and I think what Squally Canada is bringing – as much or more than anything is just leadership in this group and you can really see him starting to get after guys and also starting to mentor guys you know speak up when he needs to speak up lead by example when he needs to lead by example and and guys are noticing i mean several players we're we're only a week into fall camp now and several players are already starting to identify squally squally canada as that's one of our leaders yeah that's one of the guys stepping up that's one of the guys who's voicing his opinion who's not afraid to lay in to some of the younger guys if they're messing up or if they're doing something wrong. So whether he becomes the number one running back um, on the field or not, I, I do think that's yet to be determined, certainly. But I think he's going to have a big voice yeah. in this room, and that maybe is just as important from a guy yeah. like Squally Canada. Um, as much what, how many, how many yards and how many touches he runs for, just simply being that guy... Uh, just in the middle of, of kind of that, that running back pyramid, that mentor, if you will. Yeah. Um, one other position battle I want to talk to you is about on the offensive side is the center position. I think Jake Jimenez has been one of the early revelations of this fall camp, really pushing James Empey, who was kind of most people expected, hey, James Empey's going to take over this job from T. John Caroma, who was a four-year starter. But Jake Jimenez, who has been around the program, I believe he's a junior now, he has been as good most days, if not better, than I thought James Empey has been. Yeah, he's looked really good so far. I think that's a great point, uh, Jake, because last year he had that devastating, what was it, ACL injury yeah. in the spring ball uh, when he went down to Dixie. 
um, and he's really put in a lot of weight. He, he, he's kind of a blueprint of what Kalani wants in his offensive lineman because he came in around like 270 yeah. uh, when he was originally committed to Oregon State, really relatively thin by what Kalani wants, and now he's starting to get humongous is what yes. Kalani likes to see, and, <laughs> and he has done a nice job because I really thought going into camp that James Empey uh, was pretty much going to solidify that mm-hmm. center spot. Maybe there was a puncher's chance. Tristan Hodge goes to center, and you see Empey yeah. maybe at guard. But no, Jacob Jimenez is legitimately trying to push Empey. He's got a lot of road to make up because he still wasn't 100%, I thought, mm-hmm. in spring. But I think he's doing a really nice job in camp. And, and he's, he's also a good interview, too. I really like Jacob Jimenez. Well, yeah, and um, Jeff Grimes mentioned today that they're still rotating three guys at the center spot, and, that's, yeah. and that includes Tristan Hodge, who's still working there. And th- that position is is by far one of the positions I think BYU fans took for granted because Tijon Karomo was such a rock there all four years he was here. Um, best wishes go out to him, yeah. by the way, with the knee injury that got him waived with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm um, looking like if he clears waivers that they will bring him back to the Chiefs and put him on injured reserve this year. But I think it shows something that Tijon Karomo as an undrafted free agent, late undrafted free agent pickup by the Chiefs, was running with the number twos there in Kansas yeah. City. So that just shows how much he meant to this BYU program. I think BYU fans may have almost taken for granted with his ability to really lock things down in that pivot position. All right, um, let's let, let's go to the defensive side of the ball here, guys. At cornerback, is, uh, Kalani Satake mentioned today in post-practice interviews that he really likes the depth at the position group right now. Who has stood out to you at corner so far in fall camp? You know, Michael Shelton's really stood out. Uh, I think Shelton is BYU's best corner right now. I think Shelton has been a great story uh, thus far. I think Chris Wilcox uh, still hasn't taken that leap that I think Elisa Tuiaki uh, suggested he has uh, okay. uh, in media, at media day because I was really expecting. I mean, he was tossing around words of this guy is an NFL prospect speaking of Chris Wilcox. We did hear that, yes. And I just haven't seen that leap uh, to warrant that type of praise. I think Chris Wilcox is going to be a starter. Uh, but when you just when you throw around the word NFL, I'm, I'm expecting uh, to where you're not going to have any issues uh, defending BYU's receiver. So uh, I think Shelton's been the best corner. I think Wilcox is going to be uh, that second guy. I, I think there's some concerns, though, with depth. And you have to wonder, at what point do they say, Troy Warner, when you're fully healthy, you go back to corner or Dion uh, Gonwoloku. So that's something that will be kind of interesting to follow as we go along, get closer to Arizona. But uh, for me, Shelton right now is that best corner that BYU currently has. Sean, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really I really like uh, Shelton as well. I, I think he's going to – I think he's going to see plenty of playing time this year. I don't know if he's a starter just yet, but I think he's going to get tons of playing time. Um, he's certainly rising up that depth chart. And – I've said it before, I, I still think that BYU's best cornerback on this team is Troy Warner. Um, I'm I'm still not entirely convinced about his move to safety. I don't know if it's 100%. Um, his posi- uh, one of his position coaches, I should say, Preston Hadley, did tell me at Media Day as well that it's not a totally done deal, Okay. his move to safety. It's likely done. They would like to move him to safety. But they're leaving the door open for him to multitask, go back and forth, or even go back to cornerback uh, full-time if they really need him to. So um, I, I still think he's he's one of, if not the best cornerbacks on this team, and I would not be shocked to see him move over or at least part-time move over because I also see a lot of really good safeties on this team. Yeah. Um, 
I saw. Uh, uh, I, th- I think. Uh, I think even young guys like like Drew Jensen. I've like what I've seen out of him these first couple of days in camp. And return think, missionary. Yeah, yeah, recently returned missionary, former quarterback at Brown High, Brighton High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to get tons of playing time um, as a freshman, and I think guys like that are going to just kind of, even if they're not the starting safety, they're going to kind of creep onto the field more yeah. and more and more, and it's gonna it's going to allow somebody like Troy to be able to multitask. Yeah, and not, Shelton, I I love his his tenacity. I love everything about him. My only concern is he's listed at what five foot nine, five yeah. foot ten on the roster, he's, and he's five eight, one seventy five. There you go, five eight. Okay, okay I, that's a generous five eight. I too. think he's five eight at best. I'm five six, and I look him in the eye. During okay, the fair enough. There you go. For what it's worth. So <laughs> with 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 that, Kate. Like I said, I, I love Shelton. I love his ball hawk mentality and whatnot. I just think that he might be best served playing almost that nickel cornerback yeah. role that he's played in, in, his, in, in the past here at BYU. And okay, and that speaks now to the depth. Can they can they get Troy Warner to come back to corner full time to pair with Chris Wilcox? Does somebody like a Keenan Ellis step up and take that corner job to allow him to move inside? He's been impressive. Yeah, so that's a good I, that's a good call. I've liked Keenan Ellis a lot, but he he is a redshirt freshman, and you have to you have concerns about with the inexperience there. So. I think Shelton could hold his own at that corner spot, but I think he'd be best served if he is able to line up on slot guys and be able to play more of that nickelback role. That's an interesting point, and I think also, too, I wonder if this defense ideally would like to get to a point where they're playing maybe a 4-2-5, have two linebackers kind of similar to what Utah's doing. Just a thought. I mean, I don't think they have the depth right now to really pull that off, Mm -hmm. and I think their linebackers are... A little bit better than maybe I thought they were coming into fall camp. But, um, yeah, Shelton, that's where he did thrive back in 2015. And he really doesn't fit the mold of what Gennaro Guilford and Ed Lamb like out of their corners. Yeah. Usually it's 6'1", 6'2", maybe yeah. young. Maybe they don't have the greatest offer mm-hmm. sheet, but they got the measurables. They got the sub-11, 100 Speed, meters. Yeah. And that's what you see in, like, Malik Moore. Yep. That's what you see in Isaiah Harone. Guys that are kind of running in and out at times with the second second team defense. So, uh, But Shelton, I, I just think that his kind of like a little bit like Tanner on quarter, at quarterback is that he's older, he's been through it, he's bounced, he's battled, he's fought some adversity because he's fallen out of favor in 2016. He was playing not at all, not at all yeah. Shelton was. So I think there's something to that there. And, and I think that Shelton has, has performed well. I mean, you saw it in day one. Uh, he was probably the only guy that could even hang with Dylan Colley. Yeah. So I, I like what I'm seeing from Shelton. Yeah, Dylan gave him props. He said, this guy hung with me. He armbarred me off a ball. He, he did everything right. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. All right, guys. Um, last thing before we wrap this up here is I want to talk a little bit about th- this defensive line. There's been a lot made of the pass rush last season. If BYU can improve that with the, with the guys they have on the roster. Um, Corbin Kafusi sounded very confident they could fix things in post-practice interviews today. Uh, they have guys like Devin Kafusi, his younger brother, who have come on the scene. Uriah Leotawa, who I spoke with um, today, is back from a back injury, he said. He's dropped some weight. He said he's feeling a lot better now. Do you guys think that the options on the roster right now, roster right now, can improve this pass rush? Sean? I don't know. Maybe that tells us everything we That's, need to know right there. 
<laughs> That's a great question. I'm I'm not super high on this defensive line right now after the first couple of days of practice. Okay. Um, I'll I'll be I'll be completely honest. And if if Corbin Kafusi and and the likes of them are listening to this and they want to take it as a challenge, that's fine. Uh, go and ahead. You know I like you guys personally. But railroad spike you into the ground next time they yeah, see you. That's fine. Okay. I, I mean it, he he can he can block me on the basketball court any day. So why not? <laughs> um, I just I haven't been very impressed by this pass rush in general, and I'm not entirely certain. Fall camp's also a dual-edged sword where. I'm not entirely certain if that's the offensive line getting better or the defensive line maybe not yeah. um, coming up to the standards. We're also in the first day of shells yep. here in fall camp in Provo, um, and so that may play into it as well. Again, we're barely a week into into practices, um, and so these these decisions and viewpoints and opinions and whatever are going to change almost hourly, if you will. Well, I think too, um, but I just I haven't seen that that pass rush that I think. Uh, Kalani Sitaki and Alexa Tuiaki won out of their team right now. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on there, Sean. I guess I think with fall camp, you just want to see like those flashes, those moments. Maybe not every single play the pass rush is dominating because, like you said, it's kind of a double-edged sword because yeah. you're also then seeing, you know, is that huge concerns about the offensive line. And this offensive line is projected to be pretty good, and I think they will right. be. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this pass rush, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, can BYU legitimately create a four-man pass rush uh, consistently? Uh, and I just – I don't know if they can because that's because whenever you think Tuiaki, you think Kalani running defenses. Mm-hmm. You think back to that 2014 Utah defense, Sac Lake City, yeah. and they could consistently create a four-man rush up front along the defense line. I just don't know if they can do that right now, and I think that's where then maybe your cornerbacks are getting tested more. Everything then it, it all relies on Kalani's defenses along that defensive line, and I still feel like right now, I'm with you. I don't think the pass rush is where it needs to be. I do like Corbin Kafusi a lot. I like Kairos Tonga as everyone else, but yeah. I think guys like Devin Kafusi haven't been as good as we saw in spring. Mm-hmm. Um, Trajan Peely, okay, you know what he is. Uriah Leatawa, Alden Tofa, when are we going to see that leap? So there's still a lot of question marks for that group. Talented, but a lot of questions, not enough answers. So, Mitch, going back to a point you said that you feel like this defense is shifting. They would like to maybe down the road move to a 4-2-5. I tend to agree with you, and I think that's why a guy like Zane Anderson is playing this flash linebacker position where he is a hybrid safety linebacker where he probably projects as a linebacker the next level if he does make it to the next Mm -hmm. level. And these coaches realize, hey, hey, if we can bring him up and play him as a linebacker, that gives us those five defensive backs we need to play in pass cover and maybe that frees up a guy like Sione Takitaki and Butch Pau'u to do more of their stunts and help with that pass rush, generate it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what the direction of this defense eventually is going to go to. And you see that, you know these offenses that BYU faces, obviously unique schedules every single week where they get this variety of offensive attacks mm-hmm. they're seeing. But I think the, the 4-2-5 is, is something that will ser- can serve BYU very well. But... I, I, oddly enough, I, I feel like I'm getting more questions about this defense as time goes on this offseason than the offense. I feel like the offense is, is showing the ability that they're going to get a first down. They're going to avoid yeah. some three and outs. Like yeah. last year, you just didn't know if they could get a first down. Whereas this year, I feel like they've shown enough that they're going to be better than a UMass. They're going to be better than an East Carolina. How good is that for the fans? I don't know. But that's still, I think, leaps and bounds better than what they were last year. Whereas the defense... I think it might be status quo to what we saw last year, and I just don't think that's going to be good enough for the type of teams that, that are much better in the month of September this season. All right, guys. Sean, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I, I just I, I do agree with that. 
to a significant extent, Mitch, because I don't I don't think there's there are enough questions that have been answered with what BYU has lost on defense yeah. over the soft season. I mean, trying to replace a guy like Fred Warner, that's that's pretty close to generational talent around here mm-hmm. at, yeah. at, at linebacker. Um, I don't know if BYU's done that yet. I I I haven't seen. I should say I haven't seen it again. Thirty minutes of practice, whatever. But I haven't seen anybody to truly replace Fred Warner at that outside linebacker spot. Um, I don't know if I've seen anybody to replace Micah Hanman at safety. Yeah. Um, I, I think there are there are question marks with what's coming back on defense. Um, and again, could those get answered in the next two weeks? Yeah. Certainly. I mean, I, I think it's entirely possible. Uh, but I still think there are enough question marks that I think your your concerns are very valid. All right, guys, let's wrap things up here. Um, any final parting shots or hot takes from either of you? You know, honestly, I think that, uh, what are we now, 20, 26, 25 days till kickoff? I yeah. mean, it's it's getting that time. We're now we're now getting into the dog days of camp. You know, like already. Once you get well, once yeah. you get past day no. four, it just feels like a little bit of dog days. But this quarterback battle is going to be fun. Uh, it's sad that we don't get uh, a, a, an observation window until Friday. So a lot could change between now and the next time we lay eyes on this team. That's four practices from now. Yeah, so it's a lot could change between now and, and then, and we will get to see photo day, which uh, will be a media observation part. Yep. So that'll that'll be good. So season's going to be coming fast, and let's just let's get it rolling. All right, Sean. Anything from you? Photo day is always my favorite day of fall camp, guys. <laughs> it is wait. a good day. I can't wait for Wednesday. You get you get some good conversations out of it, but we just don't get to see any practice, oh, which is the, which is the bummer part. One of, one of my favorite uh, personality driven pieces came from last photo day. It was uh, Ula Tolutau. Oh, okay. May he rest in peace. He's currently not on the roster. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was just hamming it up at photo day. It was great to watch. It's great to see guys. Away from the football field a little bit, yeah. you can see the personality. They have some fun some there. All right. Again, it doesn't help determine your quarterback battle, but it's fun. Still fun. All right, Sean, Mitch, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's always fun to catch up with you. And yeah, maybe we'll do this again on Friday once we actually get to see practice again, and we'll we'll see what yeah we'll see where we stand at that point. Thanks again, gentlemen. No problem, guys.